Today, Pastor Ray Bentley points out when we pursue our own path, we'll probably miss the best path. We want our life our way without any help or wisdom or guidance from our Heavenly Father, but we can grow, we can learn, and we have a Heavenly Father who loves us, has greater plans for us. What is your biggest plan and dream and desire? Well, it really would be this. And your Father is saying, oh man, my plans are so much bigger. Spread the news Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We live in a culture that rewards those with initiative, the self-assured, those who don't let anything or anyone stand in their way. To the victor go the spoils, as the old saying goes. But today, Pastor Ray points out a higher pathway. It's a pathway that leads ultimately to the throne in heaven. Let's listen. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So, really, now that they have confessed Jesus, Yeshua is the Messiah, he now shares with them a secret. What is the secret? The secret is that as Jesus now, he's up in the north and he says, Guys, we're going to Jerusalem. And Jesus' secret to them was, now that you know who I am, I'm going to Jerusalem, and when I get there, as the Messiah, I'm gonna be rejected, I'm gonna be crucified, I'm gonna die, and then I'm gonna rise from the dead. If I could reel you back to 2,000 years ago, this announcement stunned the disciples. Because if Jesus was the Messiah, as they had confessed, why would he be rejected? You're the Messiah, you're the king. You're supposed to go and, and take charge and knock down the enemies like under Moses and, and reveal the glory of God. Why would the religious leaders, yes, I know there's been some opposition, but why would they be given the power to try you and, and to execute you? Now, Jesus had already experienced uh, battles uh, with some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the teachers and some of the elders, but the intensity of the Jerusalem confrontation that was to come would be far greater than anything they ever could have dreamed or imagined. And in fact, it would be so horrific that each one of them, when the shepherd was grabbed and began to be smitten, they ran for their lives. But this was known by God and by Jesus. He knew what was coming. He knew what was their reaction going to be, but he was also loving them, praying for them, speaking the word into them so that when the other side of the resurrection and he appeared to them, they'd be able to regather the sheep and begin the church. 
But I wanna make a little, little application today. How many people are there today that reject Jesus as a Messiah because of a preconceived idea of what the Messiah is or what he should look like or how God should be? They have their own ideas, but when the Lord is actually comes, when he actually reveals himself through his own life and his witness and his word, uh, they say, well, that doesn't fit my ideas, and so they reject it. Now, when Jesus reveals this surprise, okay, guys, they're expecting you know, him to be a king and, and triumphant, and they had seen, imagine this, they had seen Jesus use supernatural powers where he could walk on water, the wind and the waves obey him. It's like, use your power, Jesus. Man, go use your power in Rome. But that was not the purpose of his first coming. Now, when Jesus reveals this to Peter, notice that Peter, after Jesus says, guys, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna be crucified, I can, you know, he's seeing it, he's in scriptures, the prophecies, and he's preparing himself for it, and they're all confused, and Peter, no, this, this is not gonna happen to you. You're not, no, the scriptures, and, and he's ready to give Jesus the prophecies, imagine that, and correct Jesus. That's not gonna happen to you. But instead, Jesus turns to him and says, Satan, get behind me. And, and Peter's words and thinking and advice to Jesus at the most critical hour and moment was exactly the words from the devil and Satan himself. You don't need to go to the cross. And Jesus didn't even talk to Peter. He talked to Satan who was using Peter and said, get away from me, get out of here. Pretty powerful. Now, since the Hebrew word Satan means opposition, Peter was becoming an obstacle in the path of the messianic redemption. Now, I put this in your notes, and I want you to, to underline it and note it. Jesus rebukes Peter as Satan himself for thinking from only a human perspective. Now, the fact that Peter was used in such a way is something that we are all vulnerable to do. And this is why it is so important to know the Word of God. God's Word is living. It is eternal. Listen, when you read the Bible, this is why I encourage you, read the Bible every single day. These are the words of God. When we speak words, we're just sharing thoughts and feelings and we say the words and we pass on and time goes on. Not God. When God speaks, every word he says hangs for eternity every single word. And his words don't fall into the past or even that matter into the future. They are ever present in the living eternal now. His word is there. Every word that you grab, when you grab the word of God and you put it in your mind and you put it into your heart and you speak the word of God and meditate on the word of God and say, Lord, I, I believe and I stand upon your word. You are standing on the power and the nature and the presence of almighty God himself. Hallelujah. It's awesome. Every word of God is powerful. And, and no scripture is by our own interpretation, but all of scripture is God breathed. God, God's breath and his life is in his word. So study the word. Now I want you to note then what we learn from this. 
what Jesus is saying and teaching his disciples. The way to glory is through suffering. Now here's Satan's philosophy. In fact, I, I didn't put this in your notes, so if you're writing something to think about and ponder, write this little couple of sentences down. Number one, Satan's philosophy is glory without suffering. Satan will tell you, look, what do you want? You wanna be famous, you wanna be this, you wanna be that, I'll give it to you. But my path is no sacrifice, no discipline, no suffering, you do what you want, when you want, how you want, you're the center of the whole deal. Satan's philosophy is glory without suffering. God's philosophy is suffering transforms us into glory. We get the glory and glorified through the Lord as we suffer. And so let me ask you tonight, which philosophy are you following? Are you going after, you know, I want glory, I want fun, I want happiness, I want to feel good now, and I don't want to suffer anything. Well, then you are following a demonic philosophy. Are you saying, Lord, I, I don't know and I don't understand, but I want to follow you, and that requires there's going to be a, a price, there's going to be a sacrifice, but if I get you and your glory, okay. I don't know what it is or what it means, but I'm ready to follow you. And then in verses 34 through 38, now we get to the heart of it. You know, what does this mean? Now let me ask you tonight, how many of you, before we, we get into the, the details of what we've just said means, how many of you are so hungry for God, you're like, okay, whatever it takes, I'm willing, if there's suffering involved, but I get to the glory of God, okay, there I am, I'm ready to go. You're, you're there? All right, look, look with me. In verse 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he, this is what he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." There is a price to pay for true discipleship, but it's worth it. Say, it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay, number one, here's three things you can help fill out here. Number one, what we're learning from these verses, surrender completely to the will of Jesus. There's always, we're always wrestling with ourselves and wrestling with our own will. Have you ever found yourself talking to yourself, wrestling with yourself, part of you wanting to go this way, part that way, and you're going, man, it's so hard being me, if only people knew. <laughs> we're all like that, double-minded, and sometimes we feel, because we're being blown around by our own feelings and the winds of change. So when you're in charge and in control, you're, you're playing God. <laughs> and that, it's really tough to play God when you're not God. It can be extremely exhausting. <laughs> right? And we do it, I mean, we're laughing, but the reality is we, we act like we can do it. We can, it's nonsense. We don't control anything. We don't control the weather, we can't control the economy, we can't control the politics that are happening, and we just look at it all and we're trying to control it and we're pushing the little buttons and nothing's happening on the screen. <laughs> so what a relief to finally go, Maybe the world and the universe does not revolve around me. Maybe I'm not God. Maybe God is God. That's kind of the beginnings of getting saved. 
And so the idea is, you know, I think I'm gonna surrender my will. When people, you know, do their own thing, I'm gonna do my own thing, my own way. Yeah, that's what Lucifer said at one time. And then you see them and they're miserable and they're angry and they're frustrated and they're worried and they're uh, anxious and they're depressed. And, and you know, basically you just ask the question, so how's that working for you? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We really enjoy hearing when Pastor Ray's teaching and preaching touches lives. Dear Maranatha Chapel, thank you so much for your ministry. I really appreciate Pastor Ray's daily devotions and the online worship. Thank you also for your prayers of protection. God bless each and every one of you and your loved ones. And we thank that listener for those uplifting words. How have Pastor Ray's studies in God's Word each day encouraged you? Would you write him and tell him your story? Send Pastor Ray an email at ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Okay, number one, surrender completely to the will of Jesus. Number two, identify with him in suffering and in death. Identify with him in suffering and death. There's gonna be some things I have to stop or to let go of, to repent of, to return to the Lord and get in line with his word. And yes, there will be a loss. When you give up following after the world and the flesh and the devil, you'll feel the loss of it. It's kind of like dying. But if you wanna learn to live and be filled with the spirit, you first have to die to the wrong things so you become alive to the right things and to the Lord Jesus. Number three, follow him in obedience trusting where he leads. Do you know when we think of, you've got to obey, and, you know, and, and a lot of people basically, they say, yes, I believe in the word of God, it's all inspired, and, we, and they read the Bible, but then we only obey the parts we really agree with. <laughs> what you do and how you live shows what you really believe. But don't you believe the Bible says, well, yeah, I do, but then why do you do this? Well, because that's what you really believe. So there comes a time where you finally begin to say, you know what, if I believe the Bible, then I have to obey what God says. If anyone wants to come after Jesus, he must say no to himself. All right, that's, that's the beginning of discipleship. Instead of really immature little children say yes. You know, if, they, if you tell them yes to everything, every little whim, every little stomping and tantrum that a child, how many realize that would, that would be a monster if you just let them say yes to everything, right? So at some point, as cute as they may be, you say no. For instance, when they're taking a little knife and trying to put it into the light switch and get electrocuted, you love them and you say no. Or they, oh, the fire looks so pretty and their little tiny fingers want to go into the flame and you go no, you, you are trying to protect them, yes? So you got to first of all say no. In other words, the kingdom of the Messiah is the opposite to our natural inclinations. We want our life our way without any help or wisdom or guidance from our heavenly father. But may I say that we can grow, we can learn. And we have a heavenly father who loves us, who designed us, has greater plans for us than, you know, what, what is your biggest plan and dream and desire? Well, it really would be this. And your father is saying, oh man, my plans are so much bigger. I bet you, if you could come up here and I could, I could draw the curtains back and, and, and just you know, let the, the dove be like a curtain and just part like you know, a curtain, 
And all of a sudden, this music and all these angels come out. This is the plan that God has for you. If you would just surrender your will to him, it would knock you on the floor. You, you would just be, you would be wiped out. You go, me? Are you kidding me? Me? That's me? That's what you have planned for me? Yes. You couldn't surrender fast enough or hard enough to get what God had in mind for you. That's what we need to learn and to discover, to trust. He knows what is best. He designed you. He has greater plans for you than in your best day you could ever dream or imagine. So begin surrendering now. Now, Jesus said, therefore, pick up your cross. Deny yourself, pick up your cross. Follow after me. What does picking up my cross really mean? Now, we should remember that a cross uh, was not a Jewish means of execution. Uh, for the most part, they would do it by stoning. It, so another shocking thing was not only that the Messiah was going to die, but how he would die. It's not going to come from the Jewish world, guys. It's going to come from the Gentile world. I'm going to be crucified. And it was developed by the pagan Phoenicians and then fine-tuned by the Romans. He said, well, then how did the Jewish people, why, how would they know about crucifixion? Because the Romans were crucifying Jews all over Israel. And they, they did it uh, quite a lot as a sign and a witness. And Jesus said, that's what's going to happen to your old way of life. You're going to die to it. But simply put, to be a disciple of Jesus is in fact to make him Lord of your life at the expense of your own wishes. To trust his plans are better for you than your own. And the price of not giving your life uh, to him and keeping it and saying, no, I want to do what I want to do is here's what you will do with it. And Jesus said, it's true of all 7 billion of us, any one of us. If you hold on to your own life and try to do it your own way, in the end, you will destroy yourself. You'll destroy yourself. So really, we, we really have two options. I do my own thing, I destroy myself, I surrender, and I become a son of God and share in his glory for all of eternity. Amen? Do you know which way you want to go? Doing what others want and loving it, starting with your heavenly father. Now, I know this is going to sound like a silly analogy, but I can only speak from my own life. So, you know, last uh, two Fridays ago, it's uh, my day off and my wife, Vicki, she goes, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> I said, what? She goes, let's, you know, it was a nice warm day. She goes, let's go to Home Depot. Let's buy some flowers. Let's go out in the garden. Let's plant that. <laughs> okay. Now, when I wake up on that day off and the sun's out, it's a really nice day. Here's what's in my mind. I'm seeing, you know, I'm at the beach. I'm in a chair. I got, I got some iced tea and my sunglasses on. The wind is blowing. Maybe going out in the water. That's what I'm thinking. So what do I say? We're going to the beach. No, I didn't say that. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. I said, after the slightest hesitation that I was so slight, I don't think she noticed at the time. That's exactly, yes, that's exactly what I would love to do. <laughs> So we went to Home Depot and we're cruising around and she's picking out the flowers and then those big sacks of whatever those the potting soils, you know, you know, and you're carrying those over. And you got that big cart because that little one's not gonna do it. And so you're carrying that big old thing, dragging it around. And then you go home. 
And she's just happy, you know, she likes, she's a girl likes to play in the mud, man. She likes to get in there and dig and plant and all of those things. And, and the truth of the matter is, as I'm doing it, and she goes, okay, move this plant. He's like, some of the plants are really big. They're, they're like so heavy, you can't even pick them up. So you kind of tilt them and roll them like this, you know? <laughs> so I'm, we're, and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, the plant was great, right? Where it is, why does it need, why does it look better over there? It's so funny. I'm just dying all day long to myself. No. <laughs> oh, I get zero, zero credit now that I'm telling you this story. But so we, you know, we're moving plants around and some flowers and we're planting and at the end of the, and, and quite honestly, now when I was younger, I would not have enjoyed it as much. But now when, when I get into it, and maybe there's some of you guys that are like this, once you get into it and you get done at the end of the day and you're kind of you know, hosing off everything and watering everything and the flowers are looking all healthy and you know, it, it's kind of like, wow, that's pretty cool. I did enjoy it. And what I also enjoyed was being with my wife. And so I know that's a silly little analogy, but here's the truth of it. She goes, so did you have fun? <laughs> I said, yeah, I did, I had fun. And she goes, you know what? She goes, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that when we woke up, you were really thinking you wanted to go to the beach. <laughs> and she goes, and then I dragged you to Home Depot and we went around and made you pick up all the you know, plants and put the potting soil and bring it home. And I made you move all that stuff around and I arranged it and everything and you got into it. And I think you did enjoy it in the end. And she says, but I know you did it because you love me. I said, now that's true. That's really true. And I did enjoy it. And in the end, that's really what discipleship is all about. It's not just about being a disciple and obedience and rules and, you know, being spiritual. In the end, if I could use a silly little natural analogy from my own life with Vicki, it's about not doing your own thing because you are so in love with somebody else. That you are so in love with Jesus. I'm yours today and every day. Where do you, what do you want to do, Lord? What do, you, what do you want me to, and that's what Jesus, every morning, his father, he, he so loved his father, he goes, where, Father, where, where do you want me to go today? You want me to speak to and feed multitudes? I'm ready. Oh, today, you want me to go to Samaria? It's not gonna be a big crowd. In fact, oh, that woman, there's only gonna be one. That's your will? Okay, Dad, let's go. It's gonna turn the whole thing, the whole city upside down? It's worth it, let's go. Every day, Jesus saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Why did he do it? Not just because he was a Messiah and he was perfect and righteous and holy, but the heart of it was, Jesus so loved his dad so loved his father. And the father is just boasting in his son. Do you see my son, how much he loves me? I'm so proud of my son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was all a model of what it means to walk and have a relationship and an adventure and a loving, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with great encouragement today about having a closer relationship with the Lord. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, True Love. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. 
That's raybentley.com. When you first arrive at our homepage, by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge. And also, you can link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books on the mountain of the Lord and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.